Uh, new year, new sermon series, new music to get stuck in your head. That is the goal, right? So glad to see you all this morning. Welcome to Redemption. My name is Andrew. Uh, I get to serve as lead pastor here. Just grateful to start out this year with y'all. First Sunday of 2024, no better place to be than church. So thank y'all for being here. Uh, let me start out with a question as we start out this brand new series. Uh, I know the answer to this already, but how many of y'all have ever, like when y'all were in school, you had a class or a subject where you were like, is there really any point to this? Am I really going to use this in my adult life, in real life? Y'all have that? Uh, for me, it was anything math. I know you need to have basic mathematical skills, but uh, am I ever going to use these equations in real life? Sure enough, the answer is nope, <laughs> right? Uh, there's so many of those kind of things. And unfortunately for so many people, the subject of theology uh, is, fits into that category. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, well, it's useless unless I'm going to be a pastor uh, or some kind of professor or, you know, it's not real helpful, not real practical. Uh, I would beg to disagree. Of course I would. I'm a pastor, right? But uh, I do believe that theology is the most important thing that we could possibly uh, consider or study. Let me read you a quote from a guy named uh, R.C. Sproul. I'm reading a book. Um, you know, we're going through this book called Knowing God's Truth. There's another book that I'm reading called Everyone's a Theologian by uh, R.C. Sproul. And he said this, I think it's really, uh, this is a good thought. He says, the ultimate truth is the truth of God. And he is the foundation and source of all other truth. Everything we learn, economics, philosophy, biology, mathematics, has to be understood in light of the overarching reality of the character of God. That is why in the Middle Ages, theology was called the queen of the sciences. And so all truth is God's truth. The ultimate truth comes from him. Uh, I think this is the most important thing that we could possibly consider. Uh, but as we plan to do this, this series, which, by the way, it's based off a book of the same name by a guy named John Nielsen. We have books uh, available for you over there uh, for a suggested donation of $10 if you need to grab a copy. Uh, there's a money bag over there. We trust you all. You're in church. We know you're going to... Uh, abide by the honor system, right? So if you need to make change, grab one. There's a QR code there if you want to pay online uh, as well. You don't need to get a book, but I will say if you want to dive deeper and you want to get the most out of this, I think it would be helpful for you. Uh, so knowing God's truth. Uh, when we were kind of planning this series, uh, really up until recently, I, I kept wondering, I was unsure, like, what, God, what is this going to be like? Is this going to be too much? Are people going to be like, Yawn, theology, do we really want to do this? But I'm excited. I've had some good feedback from some of y'all, excited to dive into this. I think it's going to be really practical and, and helpful. And so this morning, we're going to start with an introductory sermon called What is Theology? It covers chapter one in the book. What is theology? What is this all about? And I want us to start by reading from Ephesians chapter four. And I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, open to Ephesians four. And if you would, whether you have a Bible or not, would you stand with me? We're going to read Ephesians four. Verses 11 through 16. Uh, we do believe this is God's word. It is truth. It is life. God reveals himself to us through his, his book. Uh, in these verses, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, uh, I believe this is why really we're doing this series to begin with. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4, starting in verse number 11. And he, speaking of God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and here's this phrase I want us to catch, and of the knowledge of the Son of God 
till we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word. Amen. And God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us through it. God, that you allow us to come to an understanding of the knowledge of of God through your word. And so, Lord, I pray that as we make our way through this morning and through this series, um, Lord, I pray this wouldn't be an exercise in just increasing uh, our head knowledge, but God, I pray that along with that, you would uh, enlarge our hearts for you. God, that we would be more desirous and affectionate uh, for you and for your ways. And God, I pray that it would lead to greater obedience and faith in you. And so, God, would you speak to us? Would you help us to have open hearts and minds help us to grow uh, in knowledge of you and in obedience to you. We love you. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Why don't you have a seat? So what is theology? That is the question of the morning. So three things I want to share with you today about theology. Number one is this. Theology is for everyone. Theology is for everyone. If you take that word theology, you break it into its two uh, Greek words, you kind of split it down the middle. Uh, You have theos and logos. Theos means God, logos means word. So really what theology means is words about God. It's really that simple. In fact, the author of this book, John Nielsen, uses the phrase God talk. God talk, or it's, it's a study of God. Theology is for everyone. Who has words about God? Well, pastors and uh, ministry leaders have words about God. Professors, academics have words about God, surely. Uh, but also, it's, it's way more than that. Everybody has words about God. Everyone is a theologian, uh, in a sense. Let me read you this quote from the book. John Nielsen says this, Every person really is a theo- theologian, provided that he or she has formed some opinion about God, who he is, what he does, and how we know about him. So theology is not only a discipline for seminary students and brilliant scholars, it is a practice that you should be actively engaged in as you seek to learn more about the God who created you. So really, everyone is a theologian. And in this book, this book, Knowing God's Truth, is an introduction to what we call systematic theology. So what is systematic theology? Well, Systematic theology is what the whole Bible teaches uh, about a given doctrine or a given teaching and how it relates or kind of connects to other doctrines or teachings throughout the Bible. Okay, so for example, let's take a subject. So they're organized kind of by subjects and topics. So let's take the subject of sin, which I think we'll be covering the first week of February. What is sin? Uh, So many books of the Bible speak to or talk about sin, but there's no one book or no one chapter in the Bible that says everything there is to know about sin. And so in order for for us to learn about sin, uh, we need to kind of take 
an overarching view of what the Bible says throughout the whole Bible and see what God says about sin. And that's, this is what systematic theology does. It kind of orders or systematizes these different subjects uh, of theology. Uh, and so I think this is a helpful quote here from John MacArthur, this picture that he gives us. He says, systematic theology is like a jigsaw puzzle. Each piece, when properly fitted together, helps to reveal the beauty and coherence of God's truth. That word coherence just means that it's, uh, it's unified, that it's consistent. So the Bible was written over a period of, of hundreds of years by many different authors, 40 different authors in different locations across the globe. Um, despite all of that, God's teaching is always consistent and unified. And so in systematic theology, it helps us to kind of break those things down. So over these 12 weeks, we'll be looking at subjects like who is God, what is man, what is sin, uh, what is the Holy Spirit, or who is the Holy Spirit, what is heaven and hell, what can we know about the end times, uh, all kinds of things we'll be looking at over these next 12 weeks. So let me tell you about my little bit of experience with systematic theology. If you know my story, uh, I grew up with no church background, so I had very little knowledge of God until I, come, I came to faith in Christ in high school, right before my junior year of, uh, right before my senior year of high school. Uh, and then about a year and a half after high school, uh, I enrolled in a Bible college in Missouri. I just felt... Actually, I didn't know what I felt. I felt like my, I had friends there. I didn't know what to do with my life. So I went to this Bible college to learn more about God and the Bible. Uh, and it was shortly thereafter that I felt a call to ministry. So I was in this four-year Bible college. Uh, I went through a bachelor's program to uh, be a pastor. Uh, and what was really cool about that was that I got to go through, you know, each of the chapters we'll cover in this book, each of these different divisions of, of systematic theology. Uh, I had a class for every single one of these uh, divisions. Uh, a lot of times like seminary is like a two-year uh, post-grad program where you have maybe theology one, theology two, and you kind of put all these theologies together. I had a single class for every single one of these, which was, uh, was, which was good for me. Uh, but then after my wife and I got married, we graduated, we moved to a church in Ohio, which you all have heard me talk about before. Um, we went through this ministry there, which was a one-on-one -on -one discipleship ministry. And so basically, if you wanted to grow in your faith, you would say, hey, I want to sign up for this. They would, we would get paired with an older kind of mentor or discipler, and they would walk us through a series of, I believe, 16 lessons. And really what it was, was it was systematic theology. It was basic, like, who is God? What is, who is man? What is sin? Uh, all of these things, and we kind of like one-on-one -on -one would walk through these lessons. And uh, I found that for me was way more impactful uh, because it was personal, it was relational, than just sitting in a, in a classroom learning about it. Um, but that's kind of my background with with systematic theology. And so I would encourage you, um, if you want to grow in your knowledge of God, to not just you know, sit in a big room um, or even just dive into this book uh, and be a theology nerd. I'd encourage you to do it with others, do it alongside of others. So maybe that means attending a Bible study. Uh, maybe that means jumping into one of the things that we call a, a discipleship group, which is a group of three or four uh, men or women who are pursuing Christ together. We can give you more details if you're interested. But I think the best way to do this uh, is alongside of, of others as you learn about the Lord. So let me read for you Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I think Paul says something that applies to us here when we're talking about theology. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What, what Paul is saying is that, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. In other words, our minds, which are tainted by sin, which are corrupt, broken, we need our minds to be renewed. We need to think rightly about God, to think as God thinks. And so theology and right thinking is for every single Christ follower. It's not just for academics. It's not just for pastors and church leaders. It is for everyone. Everyone, theology is for everyone, and everyone is a theologian. Uh, I want you, I'm going to do a little exercise with you all. Uh, this is a little weird, but bear with me. I want you to have you stand up for a second. I don't have you repeat something after me, okay? I want you to fill in the blank uh, with your own name, but I want you to say this, all right? My name is Andrew, and I am a theologian, all right? Have at it. There you go, all right? Some of you hardcore Baptists are like, that was almost like speaking in tongues. Get me out of here, all right? Uh, I didn't sign up for this. All right, sit down, have a seat. Thank you for being here and participating with me. My name is Andrew. I'm a theologian. I want, I want that to be one of the things that in this series we come to this thought that theology isn't just for academics. It's for every Christ follower. So theology is for everyone, uh, but it's not just about right thinking. Theology, here's point number two, theology impacts everything about you. Theology impacts everything about you. You. So theology tends to get a bad rap as being boring, uh, as being not relevant, as being only academic, uh, only a mental exercise. But theology is meant to be so much more than that. It is meant to impact you holistically, the whole person. And maybe you've heard me use these words. I use three H's when it comes to holistic uh, impact. It's head, heart, and hands. Head, heart, in hands. Theology ought to impact your head. Your head is your, your, we're talking about your mind, your thoughts, your knowledge, your understanding. It ought to impact your heart, which is your affections and your desires and your passions. And it ought to impact your hands. In other words, our hands, our actions. Well, what do we do? How do we live this, this out in our life practically? Head, heart, and hands. You could think of it as think and feel and, and do. And so theology, when it's done rightly, is, is impacts all of these things. It's not just how you think, but it's how you feel and how your, your affections and desires and what you actually do with it is important. And so let me give you a couple examples in Scripture. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Jesus here has been asked what the greatest commandment in the law is, and he gives what's called the great commandment. He says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What is the word he keeps saying over and over in that passage? All, right? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. We are to love God with everything in us. When we think of loving, we, th we typically think of loving with our heart, but he says, hey, love with your mind and with your strength, with everything that is within you. Acts 2, verse 37, Peter has just finished preaching the sermon at Pentecost, and, and I think this is just interesting. We see head, heart, and hands here. He says, now when they, the crowd, heard this, okay, so they processed it in their mind, they were thinking about it, 
when they'd heard this, they were cut to the heart, okay, and it impacted their heart, the deepest part of them. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Head, heart, hands. And so theology ought to impact every single part of us. I think this was an important quote in the book. John Nielsen says this, theology, talk about God, is always supposed to lead us to doxology, which is praising God. Not just talking about God, but actually praising and worship, worshiping him. And so we want to learn more about God in order to know him more, in order to worship him more. This is what it's all about. 1 Corinthians 8, verse number 1, it says this about knowledge, about just head knowledge, that it, it puffs up, but love builds up. And so let, let me make a, a big statement here, and this might take you a moment to kind of chew on this. I want to camp out here for a second. Knowledge of God should increase our affection for God. Okay, so the more we know about God, it should increase our affection for him. Increased affection should lead to increasing obedience and faith. This is the point of theology. So in other words, the more we know about God, what he's like, his character, his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, the more knowledge we have of God and what he's like, the more we should be affectionate for God. The more we should love God because of his mercy for us. And the more that we love God, the more we should be obedient. We should, you should see increasing obedience and faith in our life. This is the point of theology. It's not just to know more about God. It's to love God more, to worship God more, to serve God more. So in studying theology, we ought to grow, first of all, in our knowledge of God, our mind. We need to continually learn more. I want to share with you some uh, like this, the results of a survey that were, that were done last year. It was done by Ligonier Ministries in cooperation with Lifeway Research. So they, they uh, did a survey of like 3,000 plus people, Christians and non-Christians, and they asked them a series of questions uh, just to kind of gauge biblical literacy. Okay, so it's called the State of Theology um, Study 2022. Uh, I want to give you just a few uh, of the statistics or some of the results of this. And listen, the goal of this isn't to uh, make people who don't understand theology or the basics of our faith, not to put people down, make you feel stupid. Uh, you may see, hear some of these things and go, hmm, I don't know. And that's okay. The, the goal is to show us like where, as, really as a nation and in many ways, evangelical Christians kind of fall short in, in our knowledge of God. So let me share with you five different things from the survey. Number one, here is a statement that people either agreed with or disagreed with. It says this, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So 67% of people either strongly agreed or you know, somewhat agreed. So 63 or 67% said, well, it doesn't matter what kind of religion you choose. God accepts all of that worship. Okay, So that's, that's number one. Number two, here's another one. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Uh, if you look at that between the strongly agree and somewhat agree, 53% of people agree to some degree that Jesus was a great teacher, maybe a great man, but he was not God. 
And I'll just, I'll comment on this one. I could comment on all of these, obviously. But the, the truth is that if that were true, we ought to just throw the whole thing out, right? Throw the whole Bible out if this is, is true. But 53% of people would say he was a great teacher, not God. Uh, here's a third one. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. 66% of people either strongly agree or somewhat agree. Uh, fourth one, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. You see kind of the division there, about 53% uh, agreed there. So basically, it's, uh, it's a collection of um, uh, helpful fables and fairy tales, right, uh, with some spiritual meaning. So that's a fourth one. Here, let me give you the fifth and final one. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. 59% of people would agree. Religion, basically, it's whatever you believe. It's your truth. It's your personal opinion. It's not about objective, concrete truth. Now, I bring those things up because uh, I do think that's an indictment on the church, the Big C Church, because one of my responsibilities as a pastor and our responsibility as a church is to help you grow in your knowledge of God. And what these results show is that mm, even if you were to look a little bit closer, there's a little bit more detail in there that says evangelicals would vote kind of along this line. There are some concerning things in there that would make you go, oh, wow, is the church really doing its job teaching people in the knowledge of the Lord? Uh, and I would submit that the church has been weak in that because, especially in our day, church has become more about entertainment and about uh, making Jesus cool and all kinds of things rather than rooting and grounding people in the truth of the scriptures and the knowledge of God. And so our job, and one of the reasons why we're doing this series, is so that we can grow in our knowledge of God. So in studying theology, we ought to grow in our knowledge of God. Uh, and the more we learn about him, what he's done, who he is, our condition, our future, all of these things, that the more that we learn, the more we ought to grow in our love for God. So we should grow in our knowledge of God. We should grow as we study uh, our heart should grow and our affection for God, our love for God. And then love always leads to action. Love always leads to action. Love always, it's not just a, it's not a feeling primarily. It is a choice. It is an action. Love always moves us to action. And so if we, if we learn more about God and we begin to love him more, we ought to be more faithful and obedient. This is just the natural outflow that will serve God more, will serve others more. So head, heart, and hands. Theology ought to impact every single part of us. Again, in the book, let me quote Nielsen. He says this, theology affects the way we live. Many people do not realize, I think this is such an important statement, that every decision we make is ultimately a theological decision. Everything we do is a reflection of our beliefs especially our beliefs about God. What we believe about God has an impact on the choices we make, even the small ones, every single day. So what we believe about God, what we believe about all these things that we'll see over the next 12 weeks impacts 
the decisions and the choices that we make every single day. So theology is for everyone. Theology impacts everything about us. And here is this third and final point I want to make this morning is this. Theology must be learned and transmitted. Theology must be learned and transmitted. So everyone has thoughts about God. We said this already. Everyone is a theologian. The only question is this, is your theology good or is it bad? Is your theology good or is it bad? Let me say this about about our theology and about our growing in our understanding of, of God. Our theology must be learned and it must be shaped by Scripture. Our theology must be learned and shaped by Scripture. And I know that's a very basic statement, but the, the contrast is this. We, we don't want our theology be, to be learned and shaped by what culture says, by what we feel is right or good or reasonable. No, it needs to be shaped by what God has revealed to us. It must be learned and shaped by Scripture. So every time I have you all stand and we read the Scriptures, you hear me say that this, we believe this is God's Word, it is truth, it's life. God reveals Himself to us. This is God's revelation. So in other words, God has chosen to reveal himself to us. He hasn't, he's not hiding in the clouds like, so we can't know him. No, he's revealed himself to us in a few different ways. He's revealed himself to us generally, the Bible says, and what theologians would say, it's called general revelation through his creation. Right? Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. We can look at the sun and the moon and the stars, the universe. We can see the glory of God. Romans 1 says the same thing, that by looking at the things that God has made, we can see the glory and the goodness of God. So he's revealed himself to us generally in that way, but he's revealed himself to us specifically through his word, through his written word. Let me read for you Romans 1, 1 through 3. This talks about how God has spoken to his people throughout time. It says in verse number one, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So what the writer is saying here is that you know, God has revealed himself to us. He has spoken throughout time to his people in the Old Testament, primarily the way that God spoke to people and revealed himself to people was through the prophets. All right, sometimes God would speak directly to a person uh, or he would use signs or, or dreams, but most of the time, God would use his prophets to communicate to people. And then in the New Testament time, you see Jesus comes. Jesus was the incarnate word, God in the flesh. That's what we celebrated at Christmas. He would reveal God to us through Jesus. He would reveal himself to us through the apostles, right? But now it says in verse number two, in these last days, he has spoken to us how? Through his son, through his written word, through the word of, of God. And we need his revelation, his revealing of himself to us in order to renew our minds so that we would think rightly about God, to shape us and correct our thinking about 
God and about all these things that we'll see over the series, the course of this series. I want you to see this Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. So God reveals himself to us through general revelation, through creation, through special revelation, through his word. Um, I want you to see the special revelation from, from God to Moses back in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. God is revealing to Moses his character and his, and his ways. And, and I just want you to imagine how Moses, God giving him this information about himself, how it would have impacted his, his life and the way he lived. Here's what God says about himself. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So God reveals to Moses what he's like. He says, listen, I'm merciful and I'm gracious. I'm forgiving. I'm slow to anger. Listen, I'm not going to let anybody walk free. I'm going I'm, I'm to punish sin and guilt, but there is forgiveness with me. And he tells Moses what he's all about and what he's like. Y'all think that that kind of truth would have shaped Moses and how he lived his life? Absolutely, it would have shaped him. But y'all, this is the truth for us as well, that God's word should do the exact same thing for us, that he tells us what he is like. He tells us how good and faithful and kind and gracious he is, and it ought to shape, it ought to shape every part of us. And this is why week in and week out, I know y'all get tired of the broken record, but week in and week out, we're going to promote a Bible reading plan because we believe that is so important. You don't have to get into our Bible reading plan, but you ought to get into the Bible and engage with God through his word. This is so, so important. Now, I don't get any kind of like commission or royalties anytime y'all pick up a Bible reading plan. I think that would be incredible. Uh, I would love to petition Crossway Publishing every time somebody picks up a Bible reading plan. Cha-ching, money in the old bank account. I don't get that, unfortunately. Uh, no, the reason we promote that is because I and we as a church, we want the best for y'all. We want the best. We want God's best for you. And here's the reality. You will never experience God's best for your life if you are not regularly communing with God through his word. I'm sorry, you won't. You won't experience God's best for your life if you're not regularly abiding in him and communing with him and having a relationship with him. This is what he created, created you for. You're never going to be able to be conformed to the image of Christ without his word, which is what he created us to, to, to be, to look like. You're never going to be able to make disciples like he's called us to do without his, his word. So theology, listen, it's learned from the Bible. It's shaped by scripture. It's transmitted to us, like by God, from God to us. And so we ought to read it and not just read it. We ought to think about it and contemplate it and chew on it and study it and compare scripture with scripture. We ought to do all of those things. But we ought to also, it's also meant to be transmitted not just from God to us, but from us 
to others. And I know many, many of you know this, you get this, but man, we've got to be reminded of this, that our responsibility, our calling is to take the truth of God that we learn and transmit it to others. So let me read you a a series of scriptures. Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2, Moses bringing the the people of God, Israel, to the promised land. and, And here's what he says. Now this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded me to what? To teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long so he, Moses says this, listen, God is, has commanded me to teach you his truths, to transmit these truths to you. Why? Just so that you can fill your head with knowledge about God? No, he says, so that you will do them, so that you will fear God, so that you'll, your life will go well for you, that you'll live long in the land. It is for your benefit that I teach you these things. And we see this kind of refrain throughout scripture. Psalm 145, verse number four, it says that one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So I don't care what generation you're a part of, how old you are, or how young you are. God says every single generation's responsibility is to take the truths of God and commend them, to transmit them to the next. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus' last words before he ascended back to the Father, he gives what we call the Great Commission. He said, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Don't miss this teaching component here. Go make disciples, baptize them, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. There's this teaching, this transmitting component to our faith. Listen, the call of every follower of Christ is to make disciples. Every single Christ follower, you want a life goal? You want a purpose for your life? This is it. This is what God created us for, to make disciples of Jesus In everything you do, and I want you to think about this, if you're a follower of Christ, as we enter into this new year, 2024, everything that you do, everything that I do, everything we spend our time on either promotes this great cause or it detracts from it. Everything that we do either helps us to make disciples, it contributes to this, or it detracts from it, it distracts us from it. The call of every Christian is to make disciples, to transmit the truths of God to others. There's another book that I'm reading. That other, the one is, uh, so Knowing God's Truth, it's Everyone's a Theologian by R.C. Sproul. Here's one by, you'll recognize this name, Jen Wilkin and uh, J.T. English. It's called You Are a Theologian. Um, Another great book that I'm getting into here, uh, kind of along the same lines. It's an introduction to systematic theology. Uh, I want to read you this quote. I think this is an important quote from, from them in this book, You Are a Theologian. If a disciple is a learner, a discipler is a teacher. But we cannot teach what we ourselves have never been taught. We cannot transmit to another generation what has not been transmitted to us. 
And we will not aspire to teach anyone else the basic beliefs of our faith if we do not consider ourselves primarily as disciplers. We must learn to think of ourselves from a different angle. We must see ourselves not merely as evangelists or as mentors or as casual participants in a system of belief. No, we must see ourselves as what? Theologians. We've got to see ourselves as theologians. And this is why I'm excited for this series. Um, You may look at this and go, "Mm, theology, I don't know. Listen, it's for everybody And it is part of my responsibility as a leader in this church to help you grow in your knowledge of God. Because as you grow in your knowledge of God, you will grow in your affection for God and you will grow in your obedience and faith to God. And so let me share with you, how do we live in light of this? In light of, you know, theology is for everyone. Theology impacts every part of us. Theology must be learned and and transmitted. Um... What do we learn? Let me, let me share with you just like overarching for this whole series. My three goals, super simple, not going to be a shocker based on everything we've said today. Here's number one. I want you to see yourself as a theologian. Hi, my name is Andrew and I'm a theologian, right? I want you to see yourselves as a theologian. Theology, words about God. Here's number two, that you would grow in knowing and loving God well. I hope you learn. I hope there's things you learn in this series. You're like, man, I never... I never understood that. I never knew that. I hope you grow in knowing God, but I hope, man, more than just that, that you grow in loving God well. So see yourself as a theologian. Grow in knowing and loving God well. Number three, as growing theologians, we will transmit God's truth to the next generation. Y'all, this is why like, we as a church and really every church loves and values kids' ministry and youth ministry. If, y'all, if you've been around kids' ministry or youth ministry, or maybe you've been approached to serve in there and you were like, uh-uh, it's because it's not easy. It is challenging to be uh, to try to teach kids and sometimes youth that don't want it. Um, but this is why it's so important and so valuable and so rewarding is because when we do that, we are doing what God has called us to do. We are, we are that one generation who is commending God's works to the next. And that is what God calls us to do. So my hope is that we'll grow in all of these things. I hope that uh, this will affect your head and your heart and your hands. It will impact every part of you, that you will grow in your knowledge of Christ. I hope you'll grow in your affection for Christ. And I hope you'll grow in your obedience to Christ. That's what I'm hoping for you and for me in this series. And so let me ask you, will you commit to this over the next 12 weeks? Maybe that means just being a part of the sermon series. Maybe that means reading the book. Maybe that means joining a Bible study or a group or a discipleship group. Maybe it means jumping into the Bible reading plan. Um, I would love for you to commit to this over the next 12 weeks. And as we enter into 2024, that you'll grow in this way. And so let me kind of wrap up with this thought. You've maybe, if you've been around for the last few weeks, you've heard me talk about our theme for 2024. Our theme for this year is living as exiles, living as exiles, because we as God's people throughout all time have dealt with this tension that we are, uh, we live in this world, but we're not called to live for this world or to love the things of this world. And so in that sense, we are citizens. Uh, We are citizens of another kingdom and another country. 
And God, throughout his word, calls his people uh, sojourners and pilgrims, exiles. And so this year, our focus is on our identity as exiles. How do we live as exiles in this world in which God has, has placed us? And so this is the reason, really, why we're digging into this series, Knowing God's Truth, because we need to know God's truth in order to live for the glory of God on this planet. God's word is our guide in exile. And so I'm excited for this year that God would grow you in all of these ways, in your knowledge for God, your affection for God, and your obedience to God. And I want to pray and I want to invite Jacob to lead us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. Well, God, thank you again for the truth of your word. Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Uh, God, I'm always amazed when I think, I would just stop and think about the fact that you went to such great lengths to show us what you were like, to tell us who you are, that you are gracious and merciful that you're forgiving. God, thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. And God, I pray that you would help us to grow in our knowledge of you this year. God, may our knowing you more cause us to love you more. May us loving you more cause us to be more obedient to you, to serve you, to serve people well. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that may, may, even this morning, be confused about who you are. And it's just maybe learning about who you are, your grace and your mercy. Maybe they've just seen you as a taskmaster or a harsh judge. God, I pray that um, they would see you this morning as what you've revealed yourself to be, gracious and merciful. And so, Lord, would you help us to grow in this series? Would you help us to grow this year? Lord, as exiles making our way through this world and through life on this journey. God, may we look to your truth to guide us. Help us to think rightly. Help us to feel rightly. Help us to do what is right and honoring to you. We pray in Jesus' name.